The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here and I'm with the one and only Joe DeFalco, owner, creator, and um, sometimes uh, lounger in underwear, <laughs> the, the, the head of uh, getting things ready for uh, television for FSW. How you doing, Joe? Oh, busy, busy, man. It's like, you know, we did our uh, invite-only uh, showcase on Saturday. That went well. Uh, and now we're moving, uh, full force. You know, we got the TV deal that we have, uh, with Dave Marquez helping us out and we're going to be doing that. Plus we're going to bring back future shock. So there's a good chance that starting, uh, next week, not this Friday, but next week, uh, we're going to start running every week. Nice. Nice. That's exciting. Um, do you have, uh, details you can give in terms of, uh, what station and what time that, uh, here in the Las Vegas area people can find you guys? Uh, from what I understand, it's every Saturday night. It's on my LV TV. Those are confirmed. And the time slot is supposed to be 11 PM, but that hasn't been confirmed. Okay. Okay. Marquez, you know, Marquez said 11 p.m. Then when I can try to confirm it with him, he's like, uh, I'm not sure. I think 11 sounds right. So he hasn't gotten back to me. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's par for the chorus. Um, and with that, do you know uh, approximately when you're going to be starting? Is it November that I heard? Yeah, we're hoping for the first or second week in November. Excellent. Well, everyone get ready for the television show to come back and um, get ready for Future Shock. Um, what prompted you to to bring back Future Shock? Was it the fact that you have so many people who are ready to get back into the ring? Well, more or less, like, you know, as we've continued to grow, we get tons of emails and videos sent to us of people that want to work for FSW and it's extremely difficult it's not easy to get on the show you know somebody right. can send me something in most cases it doesn't really matter what ends up happening is it's recommendations that are made by other guys that I've brought in or local guys that we use that I trust their opinion. Sure. So, you know, when a couple of years ago somebody said, hey, check out this Matt Vandergriff guy. Hmm. 
I check him out, and I'm like, yeah, he's a little pudgy and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he looks like he can work. And then, you know, he moved to Vegas, and, uh, you know, I put him under my wing, and now look at him. Well, unfortunately, listeners can't now look at them, but they can definitely hear them because on the line right now we have the unguided Mr. Matt Vandegrift and Mr. Damian Drake. What's up, fellas? Hi, Joe. <laughs> yes, I think that's Griff to you, Matt. No, not. <laughs> We're doing good, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm good. How's the shoulder? Uh, it's it's there. It's still, it's still attached to the body. <laughs> so, you know, for people who were not at the FSW Arena on Saturday, uh, our former No Limits champion, Brandon Gatson, who looks like he's ready to return uh, on a full-time basis, I wanted to have what I would perceive as maybe the best match on the show. So I put together Gatson and Vandegrift, and by the time the match was over... Uh, Brandon Gatson separated uh, his shoulder, and uh, Vandergriff fucked up his other, the left shoulder. So it was, uh, one it was a real slobber knocker, Joe. What? It was a real slobber knocker. <laughs> it was a really good match. It was definitely my favorite match on the show, and you know I knew what I would expect from those two guys, and unfortunately uh, they both got injured, but. You know, hopefully uh, Gatson will be back sooner than later, and hopefully Vandegrift won't miss any time. Uh, that's what it seems like. It <laughs> seems like I'm like a good after this week. Yeah. On a note, I will uh, say uh, I wish uh, Gatson a uh, speedy recovery. Yes. Yeah, seriously, Brandon, get well soon because, man, coming back to the ring and then hurting your yourself like that that that's that's just devastating uh, but right now let's uh let's focus on uh matt and damien's uh basically their their upbringing shall we say because with matt you mentioned you saw a tape of him but let's start with damien when was the first time you remember seeing him uh, um, my first time see my first time seeing Matt. Uh, it was at a BVW show in Las Vegas. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, it was a it was a what was it a battle royal royal What was it? It was a battle royal type match, but apparently to get eliminated, you had to get pinned or submitted, and. <laughs> Weapons were involved too. Really, this was an yeah. actual match, huh? Uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> so Matt was like one of the last dudes out, and here he comes out, blue hair, black and pink tights, half his face, half his face is painted. He comes out with oh, I, I got to get down to the bins and details, man. And he comes out with a trash can. And I don't forgot who he put somebody inside the trash can. Was it? Yeah. Is Jace? Yeah. Jace Battle? Yeah. Okay, so he put Jace Battle in the trash can, laid him down, and decided to go up the top rope and do a 450 onto him with the trash can. Jesus Christ. 
and and I was like, who's this dude? I forgot who I asked that. And they're like, oh, it's Matt. He's from Cali. In my head, I didn't meet him at first, but for some reason, I was just like, I don't know about this dude. He looks like a douchebag. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. What? <laughs> they know the story already. I he, Apparently, Matt doesn't know, so I have to tell this Matt. Other so, Matt. Other Matt. Yeah, <laughs> other Matt. So, so that was my first time seeing him. And then after I met him, we became really good friends. <laughs> Uh, Joe, how did how did Matt catch your eye? Was it through a tape, or was it someone telling you about him? It was hearing about him, and then uh, when we used him, you know, I saw you know a lot of athleticism. You know, I know he hadn't been doing it for a long time. I believe I may stand corrected, but I believe the first time Matt was in an FSW ring was at the Impact tryout. Was that correct? Uh, I think it was that or the Nerd Show. No, I think it was the beers and body slams at the Nerd Bar. Yeah, I was like, and I was in like that five-way with you? It was a four-way. Four-way? Yeah, it was, it was, it was him, me, Ice, Ice, and uh, Kyle Hawk. And I used you before you did the tryout? I think so. No, I think that was the month, I think the month before I did the tryout. Yeah, that's what I think. And that's how why we started booking uh, Vandegrift. We saw him at the tryout. And who did you wrestle in the tryout? Was it Damian Drake? No, we did the uh, second tryout. It was okay. Owen. It was Owen. Gotcha. So, you know, he caught my eye there. And then we kind of utilized him. And then when, the more we saw him, I remember saying... You know, at the time, Damian Drake is the uh, No Limits champion. I'm like, you know, obviously you're the No Limits champion, but I think you guys would be really good as a tag team. And that was before M- Matt even moved to Vegas. So, you know, once he moved to Vegas, it really opened up a lot of things. You know, the plan was, and we were we were using him regularly, but now... Being out here, you know, he became, you know, a focal point of what we were doing. And then after Damian Drake lost the No Limits title, uh, they came up to me about possibly working together. And since I was on board months before, I felt it was uh, a great time to do it. Did you see, um, you know, you said the athleticism, but... One of the things I think that Matt has is that charisma in the ring. Did you kind of catch that side of him as well? Honestly, not really. Charisma-wise and personality, he didn't really, you know, whether he could or not, he never really had the opportunity to speak. And he was pretty bland as... A character, because I'm not sure he even had one. He was just oh. a guy who can do some cool <laughs> stuff, and he was a good wrestler. But, again, he didn't have that much time, and it takes people a lot of time to find themselves. And, you know, it took him a while, and, you know, now he's got what you would consider a very interesting character, uh, as him and Damian Drake have really changed their attitudes toward 
the wrestling wrestling business. Matt, when you were training, you were training at Santino Brothers, correct? Yes. With that experience, how how long did it take you to get to where you started feeling comfortable and where you started getting the opportunities? Feeling comfortable as in... In, in the ring, and, and your actual being able to uh, get in there and, you know, go, you know, do a match without, you know, second-guessing and, you know, just getting a little confidence in your, your abilities as a young wrestler. Well, well, it was just something I've always wanted to do, and then also at training, I always made sure to be the first one in and the last one to leave. And then if anyone, like if Brody King or like Jake Atlas wanted to try something, I'd always volunteer try stuff with them and then chaos would always have me do spots with the older guys so it uh helped me get comfortable in the ring and were you getting um how how much exposure had you had to actually wrestling um on cards uh, you know live matches before you got you came out for that um that uh audition for uh impact uh i mean not a lot like i mostly just wrestled in socal and then i did like a few gcw shows and then i don't know i just felt good about myself and i was like you missed the opportunities you don't take (laughs) and at you know joe when you look at the work ethic that matt has can you did you ever think that that is what you would see you know a little bit down the line that like he said you know he's just one of those guys who's you know first in last out well not really back then you know once we got to the pandemic and things were closed down and they would ask for the key to maybe get in you know, when nothing was going on, but they've really, both of them have devoted so much time, as I've stated in the past, just with, like with Lacey Ryan, that no matter what time of the day I go there, I'm pretty much going to run into at least two, if not all three of them. Yeah. And they put in so much time and work that you have to appreciate what they're doing And you also have to reward people like that for what they're doing. You know, there's students that are bitching and moaning and feeling like they should be on the show. And why aren't I on the show? And they're not there half of the time that these guys are there. And it's like, you know, you want to be a wrestler, but you show up once a week, once every two weeks. You're, you train for a while, you go outside to hang out or talk on the phone, and I just see so many people that don't have that work ethic. And even throughout the years, you know, a lot of guys, they'd get started, you'd see them three, four days a week, and then all of a sudden they get to be part of the show, and they get to be utilized on a lot of the shows, and then all of a sudden now they're there once or twice a week as if, they're so great that they don't need to put in the time. And it's it's unfortunate because there's 
you know, as we know, there's a lot of great talent out here. That's part of the reason we got to run Future Shock, because with TV, the roster that we use for a regular FSW arena show needs to be thinned a little bit because, you know, we're most likely going to film for at least two weeks of television. So when guys like Hammerstone and Graves come in, you know, we're going to try to at least get Hammerstone on probably two times in a four-week span. So even though he may not be on episode one and episode two, you know, we still will have him work twice. So now when we do nine matches, a lot of the younger guys are not going to get that opportunity. So for them to get opportunities and improve, they have to be in the ring. So what do you do? So you have Future Shock, which will feature, you know, some of our mainstay guys. But, you know, guys that haven't been around lately, like Vinny Wasco and Mr. Classic, you know, they'll be back. You know, we're going to start doing that October 16th is the first date. It's going to be a Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then we're going to mix in. We got a lot of young tag teams that really need to get the experience between Creature Feature, Laz and Adriel, Suavecitos, Sky High. You know, the bad bitches are back. <laughs> and, and we got five or six younger tag teams that, you know, all of them, other than maybe Sky High, have probably no more than 20 matches under their belts. And. Yeah. For 20 matches, they're great. But if they had 200 matches, they'd suck. So, you know, we want them to be great at 200 matches and not up-and-coming potential guys. You know, we need guys to fill the roster. You know, we brought back Brandon Gatson. We brought back Wise Guy. You know, there's still some other numerous. We're working on trying to get Carl Fredericks back. Uh, You know, Seth is ready to come back. Mixed in with our talent, you know, there is so much depth in the FSW roster. It, it's insane. Yeah. So speaking of talent on the FSW roster, Damien, what is your first memory of meeting Joe DeFalco? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh... I, I mean, when I first started, everybody really knew me as Beaver, so that's thanks to uh, Sin Bodhi. So <laughs> thanks, my friend. Um, I just, I, I probably the, the only thing I can think of is I'd never met a man so much who loves to talk about this business, to be honest. <laughs> like, you meet a, like, you meet a bunch of people who talk about, like, you know, the doing the ring crew or like you know the matches they have but like i just the first memory of just hearing joe talking about like all the guys he's used and like stuff he would like to do and what he wants to do that's probably my the first thing that comes to my head is just hearing the dude talk so much about this business you know joe do you do you remember how old uh, damien was when you first met him i do not i know he was young uh what were you about eighteen? Yeah, I was like eighteen, going on nineteen. Wow. And at the, you know, at the time, I remember the first match he had. We knew we had something. The first match that I recall of his was 
getting the opportunity to wrestle Funny Bone at yep. the uh, at the Silverton. Yeah. And it was like, damn, this kid's pretty good. <laughs> and and it, as the time came, he would get more opportunities. But when he started, I'm not sure. I'm I'm assuming they came up with the idea because I know I wouldn't have come up with the Midnight Marvels comic book character kids. So I would imagine that was something that Damian Drake and, and Spider worked on themselves and, you know, got them and especially Damian Drake, his, his first opportunity to really be featured on shows. Damian, with uh, your first match being uh, with Funny Bone, at that point, how long did you know Funny Bone? Because your your dad obviously was friends with Funny Bone, if people don't know that. Had had you known him since you were a little kid? Yeah, I've uh, I've known both Funny Bone and uh, and Kenny as well since I was about uh, man. I want to say probably or like around. It's been it's it's been so long since I remember. I want to say probably around like ten or eleven or so for how long I've known them. Um, Funny Bone always scared the shit out of me, <laughs> like when I was a kid. So uh, when I when I was told that I was going to be wrestling him for the Silverton, I was like, excuse my French, I was like, fuck. Just because I, I like, I already knew what I was in for. I already practically knew what was going to happen, you know. So I just tried the best I could to kind of like relax, be calm, and just just do the best I could. And I knew, uh, even with you know some like with the, you know the with every match you're going to have screw ups and stuff. Even with probably like the little mistakes I made or whatever. Like I think at that time I was like what four months in, Joe. Like four or five months i'm not really sure of the time frame but i just knew uh you you impressed very much in that match that later on when we were talking about uh jacob austin young and bryce harrison feuding over the no limits title and and jake leaving the following uh one of my thoughts was to put damian drake as uh, the new fresh meat of the following Wow, did you yeah. did you know that, Damien? Yeah, he he did mention it to me one of the times. Um, I knew Joe liked to joke around a lot, so I thought he was kind of joking. But then, like <laughs> the second time we we talked about it, I was like, "Oh, he's actually serious." <laughs> and I had no prop, like I had no problem with it because, like, I mean, you guys know, and practically everybody I know knows, like, I was always kind of into like the darker, like, kind of characters and look and stuff. So. Um, it was definitely interesting. Um, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested to see like where, it, what it would have been like if it actually happened, you know, sure. just to kind of, you know, at that time it was like, it was big Duke, there was Bryce, uh, Cody, um, who, who am I, who am I forgetting Joe? Shelly uh, Martinez. Yes. Shelly was there, you know, so. I kind of, I definitely like to think there's another universe out there that, like, I was a part of that group, <laughs> just to kind of see what that would have been like, you know. Sure, um, Joe, you know when when you're thinking about someone's first match like that, is Funny Bone 
one of those guys that you enjoy booking guys into a first match with to see, you know, to gauge what they actually have? Uh, not necessarily. In this situation, it was because of the lifelong friendship of Funny Bone and, and his dad that I'm pretty certain that Funny Bone was the one who requested to work Damian Drake. Okay. Oh, this is the first I'm hearing. <laughs> you know, my memory's a little clogged. I got to remember 10 million things. But <laughs> for some reason, that's what I think that Funny Bone had talked about that at some point, not saying, hey, I want to work Damian Drake at the Silverton, but him putting it in my head to when we thought the decision was going to be made to have you wrestle on the show, that that would be the best option. At what point, Joe, you know, you, you get a look at him. At what point do you seriously start considering that there's going to be an opportunity here to put a title onto Damian Drake. Well, initially it was, uh, we were doing the tag stuff and the bonus boys were, you know, top guys. Uh, the scum basically were kind of out of the picture at that point. And the BFFs were the, the tag team champions. And that was a combination of now known as Marty the Moth and uh, Sammy Six Guns, who's now the top prospect at Ring of Honor as Dak Draper. Uh, we had a manager there, Troy McLean. And uh, there was a guy, Tyler Cintron, who was a part of the group. So it was kind of like a rotation Freebirds kind of thing. And it was time to make a change. And we were looking at where we were going to go next and we felt it would be great to have the kids, you know, the homegrown kids as the champions, you know, how long it would last wasn't even the issue. It was just the, it, it was really for the pop. It was, you know, they, they were good, but they weren't great, but they were very young yeah. and it was like, you know, they, they were over, you know, people got behind them, so we decided to pull the trigger. And what was that like for you, Damien? Uh, very nerve-wracking. <laughs> um, the fact that, you know, uh, it was uh, my first, basically, title shot, and the fact that we won. I still remember, like, the pop we got till this day. Because it was like it was one of those it was one of the very like first like big pops I got, um, you know, in the ring. And it was such a cool feeling. Just I think that was probably one of the very first times I felt like the roof was going to explode, you know, from yeah. the crowd, from the crowd reaction. So it was a very good feeling. And I it's it's one of my favorite uh, memories and moments uh, still to this day, even more so than super kick and spider and turning up. That that that's that's definitely top of the list for sure. That's definitely top of the list. Did you did you have a a decent relationship with Spider? Oh yeah, no. We we uh when we were together like we were we were like brothers, you know? Like he was I looked at him as like a little brother and I look I looked after him and stuff, you know? It was 
we hit we hit a peak at some point after we returned from our tour in uh, China that you know I wanted to do I wanted to go one way he wanted to kind of stay where we like hit our peak basically and that's where we just kind of we just parted ways from there you know sure um yeah but no when I, when we were together as the midnight marvels we definitely had a we had a very like uh older brother little brother relationship you know but you know sometimes the big brother gets annoyed by the little brother at some and, point uh, it, it was time for hbk to move on <laughs> there you go if you want to put it in simple terms <laughs> joe when you had those two together did you like was damian drake the standout to you was he like the Shawn michaels or do you think that you kind of leaned a little bit more towards spider in terms of seeing him possibly as a singles competitor at the time they were together neither like, I wasn't looking at Damian Drake and saying, oh, man, this guy, sky's the limit. You know, we were running the way we Thanks, were man. running. And then uh, they went to China. And then once we came back, I just, when they were both back and we were ready to do things again, it seemed like Damian Drake had, had taken it to another level. And at that time, you know, the idea was, hey, we're going to try this and we're going to, you know, split up the Midnight Marvels. And I had some ideas on how to do it, which entailed a uh, qualifying match for a No Limits title shot at No Escape. I believe it was for the... The cage match, is that correct? Mm. You... Or, was it, or was it for the ladder match? When you beat Spider, didn't it give you the spot in the uh, cage match, or was it the ladder match? No, it was the cage match. Okay, yeah. It so it's was the cage match. I was th- sorry, I was thinking about the when Owen and I first wrestled at the casino. Right, before, right. Before yeah, that was... Match. Right. Yeah, the match I had with Spider is what led to the the cage match. So he was still... So yeah, back he had gotten opportunities. He had a a singles feud. And then when we officially broke them up, and I remember because Damian Drake wanted to be a little more heelish. He wanted to have more of an edge. It was time to get away from being the green arrow, you know what I mean? So I had an idea because we needed to try and see if we could get sympathy for Spider because Spider was always more of the underdog baby face. You know, I remember when we were first doing some of the tag matches with them that I'd have to yap at him because Spider was the underdog guy to get beat down. Damian Drake had that high-flying explosive offense. But because they were friends, he would try to get Spider in that role at times. And it's like, no, that is not the role. The role is this. So I felt when we were going to do the match, the best time to do it was a very important match. 
you know, were wrestling for an opportunity to go inside a steel cage to win the No Limits Championship. So I came up with the idea of they were going to do a break, and right beforehand was the referee, because I, I remember seeing it years ago, Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. Uh, I don't remember who he was boxing, but they were in a clinch. They kind of broke it up, and before the referee really cleared it, it was clear, but then Floyd knocked the motherfucker out. And it was like, it was considered kind of dirty, but not really dirty because you're supposed to protect yourselves at all time. So we went with that finish as the referee kind of stepped back. He didn't say, hey, go ahead. But out of nowhere, Damian Drake nailed the spider with the super kick. And what happened wasn't really what we wanted to happen. The crowd now cheered Damian Drake. <laughs> and it was like, well, we didn't really go full force with a heel turn, but that was, we were hoping would be the catalyst for it. And it seemed like they got behind him more, and it kind of really stagnated Spider after that. And Damian Drake kind of went on and, you know, started to dominate the division, the division for, you know, over a year. Damien, did you expect, you weren't expecting a pop for you turning on him? Uh, no, I was not. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I had it like, so going like two, two things pop, like two things pop into my head when I remember that match specifically. Number one is when I, is when I, I came out, I cut a promo, Spider came out, you know, and I went to say, I'm sorry. And I heard one person yell, kill Spider. <laughs> we do the match. After the match, I go to talk to Joe. And uh, and right before I say anything, Joe is like, well, can't turn your heel. <laughs> I was like, great. But no, I, I really was not. Expe I was not expecting that big. Uh, I was not expecting that reaction. I really tried, like, I honestly tried everything I do, I did to get Spider that sympathy, um, but they, the crowd was just, the crowd was just not biting. So then by the time the kick happened, I remember the reaction, it was like, it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like the kick, and then there was like a two second pause, and then the crowd reacted. It legit was like, kick, and as soon as my toe touched him and touched his face the crowd was just on fire and, and i was just like ah okay <laughs> and do you were you you were excited i would assume to be you know to be having the opportunity to become a heel was it kind of crushing that all of a sudden it's like yeah we're gonna change those plans it it def like I was definitely excited because uh you know I wanted to do at I at the time I was I was like you know I want to try something different I want to give this a try you know and then hearing the reaction and then Joe was like yeah well we can't turn your heel it wasn't really crushing it was it was one of those things to where it was just like it was one of those things where your parents tell you like uh, we're not mad at you we're just a little disappointed. <laughs> You know, like that feeling you get from it? It's the worst. And Jamie and Drake knows how I get that feeling toward him a lot. Yeah. Well, that's, you know what, that's uh, that's a good 
kind of segue into, um, you know, I think if I'm not, you know, confused on this or, or wrong on this, um, Damien uh, ditched out on you for a little bit there. Is that correct? Uh, yes, he did. You know, he was part of the purge that uh, chose to leave FSW and uh, go over to 3PW. And for Damian Drake, it wasn't too bad. He got to team with TJ Perkins while he was there. <laughs> yeah, Damian, uh, how did how did that go down for you? And what was it like getting the experience to kind of learn under TJ? Uh, man, <laughs> I really try not to remember me leaving FSW. I wanted to, like I always try to forget that. <laughs> It happened, bro. Um, it happened. It's okay. It, it, no, it happened. You know, I don't deny it. Um, but I, I, I feel like Joe and I are are in a good place after all that happened. Sure. I hope so. I don't know. Uh, but no, l- learning from TJ and getting to t- tag with TJ, um, he was actually my like my first like ever tag partner. Um, for like three, like two or three months at that time. But it was, it was a cool experience just learning from learning from like the skill level he was at at that time and of course now he's at like a he's he's at like a whole another level now where he's at but just at that time learning from him and stuff it was and just how much of a chill dude he was and like he was super cool um, so it was a very fun experience I really learned a lot from him you know and every time I whenever I get the chance to see him like it, we we talk and we hang out for a little bit you know so it's like nothing really changed yeah which is cool joe do you uh do you possibly uh see tjp uh maybe uh helping out the unguided at some point you never know you know uh tj he lives in town he helps out when we need him uh you know he's made appearances you know at the mecca natural born killers so he's definitely a guy that we'd love to have around sometimes because of budgetary reasons like running invite only school shows where you can only put 60 or 70 people. You know, I'm told the governor's going to be making the big announcement tomorrow. So maybe we'll be able to, uh, you know, open up things a little bit more and get back to basics. You know, we were excited this past event, you know, Sean Davari wrestled on the show and Sean hadn't wrestled in almost 20 months. So, you know, as we say, we're always trying to load it up with with some great talent and great opportunities. And, you know, whether it's TJ and Drake or TJ versus Vandegrift, you know, you know, those are definitely two matches, you know, I'd love to see down the line or triple threat match. You never know. Um. Vandegrift, what, um, you know, obviously Damien has a history before you guys meet. Were you aware of him before you guys, um, you know, first met? Yeah. Were you? No, I did. He were a fool. I met, what I mean, you does it, bro? Yeah, we met a dozen. Vandegrift was busy hanging out with Vinny Wasco back then. <laughs> Bring him back out, Joe. <laughs> Big announcement. Future Shock, October 16th. Vinny Wasco is coming back. 
There you go. All right, I'll, I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when you um, when you look at the history that Damien had, Matt, did you feel that you know you guys obviously click as friends? But did you <laughs> did you see um, like some of your passion for wrestling in him and did you think that he was someone who could creatively as well as in the ring you know you could gel with and kind of uh get get better you know further yourself by working together and and, you know obviously you moved out here uh to wow it sounds like a relationship you moved out here to be closer to him um what what is it like for you guys, man? Answer carefully. I'll answer this way. Mom giving this shit. <laughs> you know, as the leader of the unguided, Matt, explain it, please. Damn you, Joe. Damn you. Um, I think that's one of the things that drew us together was the passion for the wrestling. And uh, also not just the passion for wrestling, but all the similarities and stuff that we like, whether it be music or comic books. Uh. And then once we got to know each other, things just started clicking. So, and then similar styles. Like, if we got into the ring right now, we wouldn't have to call anything. We know we know our, each other so well. And Joe, you know, Damian um, goes on before he gets together with Matt, and you get a chance to uh, have him become the No Limits champion. What was the lead up to that, and did you ever have second thoughts of um, putting that belt on him? No, the, the the plan was for him to become the No Limits champion. The only thing was we expected it to be a little bit further down the line. Uh, Greg Romero was the No Limits champion, and then he got hurt. So he had lost the title, but the plan was for him to regain it at no escape in a steel cage match. But uh, shockingly, Greg Romero punched somebody and (laughs) he broke his hand. So we had to take a different route. And (laughs) emphasis on the shockingly, (laughs) you know, and at that point it was time to pull the trigger. You know, we, we can't wait around and wait a two lot of months. my decisions have been from Joe in my career is just pulling the trigger. <laughs> you know, things have to be done, you know. We may not have, like, you know, I plan out ideas of where we're going next, who should be the next champion here, who should be this, who should be that. And usually it's way in advance when I decide that, okay, this is where we're going next. You know, kind of like when we went from Damian Drake, Ice Williams just didn't feel he was ready yet. And, you know, Remy held the place for a little while and we were able to build another feud because we ended up building Damian Drake, Remy Marcel and Ice Williams into a nice little three way feud to this day, which has made uh, Ice Williams not as popular as he was. Because as a baby face and, you know, it, again, it was, it's clouding the area. 
Damian Drake was was still maybe I guess you could say more of a tweener. And Ice was the baby face, but then he stole the belt, which was a heelish move, blah, blah, blah. And to this day, I don't believe Ice Williams is as popular as he was before. There's still some people who don't like him for the, the stuff that he did there. I think Ice Williams would tell you otherwise. Well, of course he would. <laughs> but he only listens to his brother, so, you know, what does he know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. You know, so what did that mean to you, Damien, in terms of getting that opportunity? And you held that belt, I think, for one of the longest reigns, right? Uh, I think I was, I think I was probably, who's the, who's the, who's the longest, Joe? Was it? Remy, when he first got the belt, held it for like a year and six days. Yeah, I was, I was, I believe I was just. Two two months under a year. So, I, was am I the second longest or is someone else the second longest? Uh, I would think you were the the second longest. Yeah. Because so, I know Funny Bone had it too. I didn't even realize till looking at some stuff that I forgot Funny Bone had won it like seven years ago and then won it for a second time. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, uh, being so yeah, so hearing when Joe told me, hey, this is what we're gonna do. Um, I, it was very nerve wracking, of course, cause this was the first time, you know, I was going to be winning a belt singles wise, yeah. you know, and once I kind of started the sink, once I kind of started the singles stuff and, you know, once I started kind of developing a little bit more of a following as a singles and stuff, you know, I already had like a couple people telling me they were like, Oh, you're perfect for no, the no limits champion. I was like, Oh, thank you. And then it just kind of grew from there and there and there and then once the cage match happened and then i again it's another one of those moments i remember very specifically just as soon as i kicked owen in the face and he fell down and i'm on the outside and just hearing i literally heard almost everybody in sandstown just chanting drop 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 and the minute i dropped touched the floor and again i thought the roof was going to explode again it was such a cool thing and it was one of those to me, it was one of those like five, like five years in the making type moments because I remember the ref bringing the belt to me, and I just told him I was like, "Do not hand it to me right now," because I feel like it's a dream type of deal. <laughs> the minute I grabbed the belt, and then it was real. It was such a, it was a cool feeling, you know. It's crazy. There was only one guy in the audience who was screaming, "Don't drop!" and that was Spider. So. <laughs> 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 oh, I didn't hear that. So, <laughs> so Joe, you know, were you on commentary at that for that moment? I believe I was. Yes, I'm always on commentary. That's what I kind of thought. I just want to make sure. So, for you, when you get an opportunity to see someone who walked into the school, starts to train, goes through all this progression, you know, has um, you know some different opportunities elsewhere comes back and now gets that first major singles title. Do you feel like a proud parent at that moment? Oh boy. No, I, I definitely do. It's, it's, it's watching a guy, especially since he started with us from the beginning, you know, it's, it's a very proud thing, obviously, you know, watching Kevin cross 
win the NXT title. You know, that yeah. it's like, hey, that guy trained with us. You know, Chris Bay, when, when he did what he, you know, and as exciting as it was to see Chris Bay win an Impact title and, and Cross win the NXT title, I think I was more excited watching them and all our guys who win one of our titles yeah. because that's the culmination of them going out there as a beginning student and in FSW, that is the pinnacle. Of course, the pinnacle is the FSW heavyweight championship that Damian Drake has not won, but you know, it, it's definitely something that he could look towards in the future. So, you know, the thing is, yeah, it's cool and great that he won. But remember, he did win a tag team title a few years earlier. So it wasn't like, oh, look at the build. Damian Drake finally wins the title in FSW. No. You know, he already won one. You, you know what I mean? So well, I'm not probably feeling as much of a proud papa. But one thing that he does say is correct is I always had an, a vision of what the No Limits division would be. And in a lot of cases, we never had that style. You know, to me, it was more of that Ring of Honor, PWG, fast-paced, high-risk stuff. But if you look at the lineage of the No Limits Championship, which, you know, you probably should do a show on in the near future... <laughs> that, you know, guys like Jack Manley, guys like Saiku, you know, he was, you know, Saiku's vicious, yeah. but he's not going to be confused with this high flying dude. So, you know, even Bryce Harrison, great wrestler, but not a high flyer. I think the closest that we may have had is, is a guy like Brandon Gatson, and he didn't hold it for long. But when he held the No Limits title, because he's a guy who, to me, is like the, the, the father of what guys like Vandergriff and, and Damian Drake do. You know, I've always been a huge fan of Brandon Gatson. Now, personality-wise and character, he wasn't a big talker. But in the ring, you would always see him do something cool, new, innovative, and that's what I see in guys like Vandergriff and, and Damian Drake. You know, they're always doing stuff that's different. And that's, like, the most important thing to me. You know, you see a lot of guys and, and a lot of these indie guys and even some of our guys, that they, they, they utilize a very similar moveset. You know, when Jacob Austin Young was rising and getting so popular, it was because he took a Japanese style that he would watch and, you know, do some Finn Balor moves that nobody knew who he was because he was Prince Devin in Japan. And he'd do the Sling Blade, and it would be like, oh, shit, I've never seen that move before because people didn't watch New Japan. So my style of what I really enjoy, you know, because people like to say that Joe DeFalco's a guy who likes nothing but flippy flops, which is not really true. It's like, I like a good combination of a lot of things. Yeah, I was a big fan of the Young Bucks. That's why I brought them in. Well, I guess I might have been right on them. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, you need 
you need to be exciting. You need to be entertaining. That's what it's about. We have our fans who for years and years and years come to our show. If Damian Drake doesn't reinvent himself, he becomes stale and boring. And those same fans will quickly turn on you if, you know, they don't see any growth. And, you know, that's why we have a lot of guys who've been around for a long time. We also like to space some guys out. Don't overstay your welcome. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, we like to utilize a lot of the local talent, but we also like to utilize really good talent from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so, Matt and Damien, what was it like? You both went to China, is that correct? No, no. It was, Matt, it was, it was okay. Matt went to Reseda. <laughs> <laughs> The good old Reseda Country Club. Um, yeah, he, he went to watch PWG. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wow. So then when you went to China, Damien, when you're going through that process and you're learning there, was that something that when you come back, are there is there anything new in your skill set, or was it just more of a disciplinarian thing? You know, learning more about the craft, um, more so than um, you know some of the the moves and, and things that people might have not seen here. Uh, I like to I like to say it was a combination of both, um, because it was it was definitely some it was definitely the the style that I've you know wanted to learn and try and i vote and i was fascinated with um at the same time though it was definitely more of a, a disciplinary thing for me um at the time like before i went to china uh i kind of went through a stage uh that nobody really knows as i'd never really talked about it before but um i kind of went through a stage before i went to china like i didn't know if this was something i wanted i was going to stick with because i just kind of for some reason like just personally, I just felt like I wasn't really progressing at the time. You know, I thought nothing was going to change, you know. And then the moment I was told uh, by Remy that I was going to be heading to China, you know, I kind of took it as just like, all right, well, let, you know, let's let's see. Let's see how it goes, you know. And uh, I do the whole tour. I learned, you know, I it was cool because uh, I grew up watching, you know, martial arts films like Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, all that stuff. So visiting that country was amazing. But then coming back and just kind of, I felt uh, like I felt way more confident and I knew I could possibly change and try something new. And at the time, and before I thought I was going to go back to China, the couple shows I did out here, you know, I definitely could tell just from what I did and, and stuff like the crowd was definitely seeing there was a bit of a change and they seemed to come a little bit more of an interest in me. So I like to look at it. It was a combination of both, but more of a disciplinary. Like I really wanted to kind of hone in and per kind of perfect everything and also uh, definitely learn a new style as well. Sure. Um, Joe, did what was the main difference you saw with uh, Damien when he got back? I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the China thing first. Sure. There was a lot of issues in that because 
it was so herky-jerky on whether those guys were going to be going back. When are they going back? Is it yeah. in months? Is it in two months? So it really became hard booking-wise because you didn't know who was going to be available, when they were going to be available. Some guys left sooner. Some guys left later. And if I remember correctly, you wrestled Chris Bay – which ended up winning match of the year. That was before China, correct? Yeah, Chris was my last match before I went to China. Okay, and we were discussing doing a best of with Chris Bay. You know, we were bringing back the idea of a best of seven, Damian Drake gets behind, friend versus friend, and basically he goes over on Chris by turning heel on him, and we just couldn't do it because of the fact that we didn't know if he was going. And if I remember correctly, at the last minute, you didn't go, right? Yeah, uh, last minute, I didn't go uh, because that same day, uh, my shoot job decided to hit me with, uh, hey, if you go and you return, we're not going to really have your job here anymore. (laughs) And luckily, he didn't tell Walmart to go screw themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Matt, obviously, um, you finished watching that show in Reseda. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) so when you, when you get the opportunity to finally, um, get together and, and mesh, you know, with Damien, your personalities click, everything's, you know, coming together as a friendship um at what point did you guys um start coming up with the idea that you'd like to tag together i mean the idea has always been there like joe said he's always wanted it and like we've had fans say that they've wanted it so then after well you went to the table yes after he went to the table and he got hurt uh I, I, like, just moved down here. Right. We both kind of just didn't know what to do. So we kind of just both pulled the trigger and went to Joe, and we're like, so what do you think of us teaming together? (laughs) Which was a smart move on Damian Drake's part because, you know, generally after you lose the No Limits title, you go on a long losing streak unless there's something else for you. So he quickly pitched, hey, maybe if I did a tag team, I wouldn't have to lose as much, you know? There you go. There you go. See, I was thinking ahead, Joe. Thinking ahead. Yeah. I taught, I taught you well. The young guy did. There you go. Um, now, as far as the seeds for the young guy did, um, kind of give me an idea here of, was it you guys? Was it um, Conan and AAA? What, like, when did you guys start getting that little idea going uh well when we first started triple a conan kept putting us in like multi-man matches or six-man matches and we were always on the opposite teams and then like one day conan was like do you guys want to work together or against each other and we both looked at each other and were like work together (laughs) yeah and it, it was and after and he actually at that when we did that that was like the first time we actually like went over in triple a <laughs> so uh we did a 
the it was basically it was like us and like one of his one of his uh students out there yeah and quest and limelight i believe were on the other team with another one of uh conan's students and uh we basically did like i think we did one double team but then we went we did a we did a finish that was kind of a little bit of like how private party does their finish but we uh we at we changed the cut so we did the i did the jumping rana from the ring uh they go flying into Matt with the code breaker, and then I went off the top with a spiral tap, Oof. and then that was one. And that was one, two, three. We head back. We head back, and Conan's like, it was really Conan that was what made us really kind of want to pitch it to Joe because Conan was like, "You guys work well together. You, I want to put you guys as a tag team." So it was really Conan that really said he wanted to put us together, and then we both were just like, "All right, well, let's pitch it to Joe." And Joe, how reluctant were you at first of that idea? None whatsoever. It was, you know, I, I felt they could be a, a great addition to the tag team division. It, it was new guys. Uh, Matt, as a singles guy, was starting to get over. But it's, you know, it's a difficult process in FSW. You know, they need to make sure that the guy's going to be around a while. And then he finally gets to start being around. And now people start to really pay attention because they see that he's a regular there. So he was definitely getting to a good point where, you know, he was a guy down the road that definitely, and he still could, but he's definitely a guy that people could have looked at and says, yeah, that's a, that's a future no limits champion when we don't know. But Putting together as a tag team, it was, they were young, they're exciting, they, they, you know, they, they, they could fly, you know, they came up with an idea for, for characters, and, you know, I thought it would be a good opportunity, and, you know, there's no, you know, without a doubt that these guys could be tag team champions as long as they work together, because, you know, it's easy to say, oh, let's put these two guys together and they're going to be tag champs. And all of a sudden they shit the bed. So obviously they didn't get very many opportunities early on. There was a little bit of a struggle on on some of the the way things were going with the masks and all the other stuff. But in reality, they didn't get a chance before the pandemic to really you know, exert themselves, you know, they, they ended up working the pre-show match at the Mecca and that was kind of the turning point, uh, character wise with the unguided that I really feel was the catalyst to where we are today with them. What do you guys feel is behind the characters? Why, why did you choose, you know, these, um, for the lack of a better term or for people who don't really know the unguided or, and, you know, want to get an idea of it, um, kind of that Joker-esque, that, um, anarchist in, in some sense, uh, you know, characters, was it something that actually was personalized coming from the inside of you guys, not just, you know, going, hey, we got a cool idea, but 
you know, a little uh, frustration and and um, a little uh, rebellious youth. You don't, you want me to you start? You, you want start. me to start? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's so re- like really, I'll kind of go like to the beginning of how we kind of started it. So like we like literally that night when we were driving back from AAA to basically they we were driving back home yeah shut up um we were driving back home and like that whole entire car ride like we were just talking and coming up with ideas and just thinking of what we could do and what we could be different you know we kind we kind of knew from the start we didn't really want to be our old selves you know we didn't want to be the same old Damian Drake we didn't want to be the same old Matt Vandergriff we wanted to be uh we wanted to be different at the time and we had an idea. We pitched it to a couple. We, you know, we pitched it to Joe. We pitched it, you know, we pitched the name and stuff to like D'Lo and Sin, you know. And they liked the concept, but it was really like the uh, the name. It was really like the name and the idea that they weren't kind of down for. And it was really D'Lo that gave us the idea that was like, why don't you guys do the perch, you know? And I knew, and at the time, I was like, haven't some people kind of done that? Or like, they've, you know, and he's like, well, they've only really done it as an entrance. They've never really actually done it, you know? So that's where it was kind of like, oh, okay. So that's where that whole idea came from, you know? And like Joe said earlier, you know, there was definitely, there was some issues at first and there's, you know, some differences at the time coming up with it. But really when we did the, the Mecca, the match at the Mecca against Sky High, that's where I think really we all like Joe, Matt and myself, we kind of knew like, Oh, okay. There's, there's definitely something here, you know? And, you know, like Joe said before that we could take off the pandemic, the pandemic hit. Um, We kind of looked, Matt and I both looked at the pandemic as kind of, it sucks, but as a blessing at the same time, because, Yes, we had that match, but we really still had no idea like what we wanted to do personality wise and you know character and the look wise and all that stuff. So really, like throughout the entire pandemic, you know you you guys have seen like we really were we were here every day working on the craft. We were here every day working on the personality, the look, you know. So we really kind of looked at it as a as we looked at it as a blessing more than a uh, than a curse, you know. Um, sure. Before I go on, do you have anything you want to say about it? For the character stuff. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for the character stuff, it's just kind of a lot of stuff we've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's probably a little bit of frustration in there, but for me, I'm more comfortable doing this uh, with him to help me start it out. <laughs> He's sure. been a big help in it, so that's a little bit for me. Yeah, so like really the the character character and personality, I will say, it's a lot of, uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, realism yeah. in there because, you know, after, like I kind of knew near the end of my reign as No, Lim- as the, as the no Limits champion, like people were, were getting stale of me, not just fans, but like... Um, like I felt like other promotions and like other wrestlers too. I personally felt like they still saw me as like the midnight Marvel, yeah. you know? So I really was trying, I was trying everything to get away from it. And I had no idea what I wanted to do, you know? So a lot of that frustration is definitely into the the personality and the character. Um, 
and a little bit too is like you know i'm i still i'm a big comic book fan too so uh for me it's not really it definitely has that joker anarchist definitely in there but for me it was a little bit more of uh for personality wise it's a little bit more of the uh the crow not sting doing the crow it was more brandon lee doing the crow sure yeah like it's a he's he's a broken he's like he when he wakes back up you know from the grave he's a broken man he's a broken soul you know he just doesn't really feel pain anymore you know he doesn't really care any much you know so that was that's really a lot of like where that the traits come from for what i do for what i do now as the character you know yeah and it's definitely been a lot fun and challenging just trying to figure out everything you know because it's 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 so different from what I've done from what I've done in the past. And as he said, the pandemic was a blessing. It was a blessing because most people took the pandemic off, especially March, April, May. These guys were putting out new content. They were getting people to understand their personas that, they may not have done because they would have been like, oh, well, we got a show in two weeks. Well, we got a show in two weeks. Right. Instead, these guys had the opportunity to put out, you know, it was a great video. The strip was closed. They were able to do stuff. It was that purge kind of, you know, gimmick that they were running with. And it worked perfectly because when we started doing these invite-only shows, it, it only furthered where they had come from, you know, if, if all they did was wrestle sky high at Mecca and then, oh, okay, we're going to do the invite only show. They would be nowhere as near successful as where they are now, because every week, every four days, whatever it was for months, they were putting out stuff while most other people were just sitting at home waiting for this to end. And, Joe, when you when you think of the vignettes, uh, the videos that they've been doing, do you think that in terms of all around um, the production quality, the the actual uh, thought process that goes into it, the characters themselves being developed, is it comparable to what Cross was able to do with his character? It definitely was. Uh... But you got to remember when Kevin did it, Kevin didn't know how to wrestle. Right. You know, so for these guys, it's a little easier because they're they're already established talent. And now they had characters in the past that were they were over because of their wrestling ability, not because of their character. Kevin was over because of his character. Now, as the unguided. They have two great characters, but they're also two great wrestlers. Yeah. So, you know, I'm excited when everything really opens up again. You know, hopefully Conan uses the characters in AAA, and now they get to be seen on a more worldwide stage. You know, as much as as much as we believe, you know, FSW is seen by a lot of people. It's obvious AAA you know, is it a whole nother level between the United States and Mexico, you know, AAA might have more viewers than the WWE. Right. So, you know, they really up their game. And now the other tag teams, you know, got to play catch up. 
And what does that do for um, those tag teams not only trying to play catch-up, but you look at a team like Sky High, who obviously are growing leaps and bounds because they get chances to work with these guys. Is it is it kind of at the, the point where as the unguided is developing and, you know, they're going to be trajecting onto that next level at some point, hopefully to, you know, an even bigger organization, you know, past AAA, that some of these younger guys are essentially going to then be able to move up into the position that they are now. Well, again, the difference is the unguided, whether or not they were just Matt Vandegriff and Damian Drake, they were going to be a top-tier tag team. They've already established themselves. Sky High is still in the growing process. Right. You know, They got themselves their valet. They, they, they've invested a lot more time and effort into their gear. You know, they've made, you know, huge strides over the last year, but they're still got a, a ways to go, you know, wrestling wise to, you know, to be at that level. So, but they've also helped put out content and the cinematic match that we did, yeah. you know, it was all good stuff and, and they deserve a lot of credit for being involved in that also, but you know them, the Suavecitos, the Creature Features, the Hyper Quicks, and you know the Bad Bitches, and every tag team that we have, they're all to where the Unguided, Death Proof, the RMBR, and even Shogun and Kenny, who are a makeshift tag team, but they are the tag team champions. So, you know, those are the top four. And those other guys have to work really hard if they want to, you know, get into that group. And Matt and Damian, you've you've got something here that is pretty unique. Um, it fits, you know, what you guys love. So your passion shows. Let me ask you, have you guys thought about the potential of someone who just happens to be unguided that's a female joining you guys we've pitched many ideas it's just finding the right female if we were to do a female yeah there's definitely been some talks there's definitely you know been some pitches and some ideas but as of right now it has we just we need to find the uh, the right one like it can't just be anybody right yeah. You have to like. There's there has to be a reason why you're like you're part of the unguided. You know, you can't just be like, oh hey, I'm gonna be part of the unguided. There there has to be there has to be a little bit more of why you're going to be a part of the unguided. Yeah, um, Joe, what would you say at this point is something that you know we've talked about all these you know, the, the work ethic and the character development and, you know, the fact that they have really good in-ring experience. What is something that, as young wrestlers, that they still need to kind of work on? Meaning who? Damian Drake yeah, and Vandegrift? Yeah, exactly. Well, we had a, a, an issue this past Saturday uh, Damian Drake wrestled one of the younger guys. And 
not only him, but a lot of the younger guys are always, as I like to say, too giving. And we kind of, I had to kind of yap at him about it because, you know, he's a top guy. You know, if Damian Drake was defending the No Limits title against this guy, you know, that he worked, it wouldn't have been as competitive as it ends up being. And I under and I understand, but that's the main issue with a lot of the young pro Lou. It's like when you have a chance to go out there and hit all your moves and basically be a showcase for yourself, you have to sometimes you have to be greedy. Sometimes you have to take instead of being so giving. And being nice guys, nice guys feel bad. And it's like, well, I don't want him to just get his ass beat oh, and squash him. And it's like, that's what their job is. They're, they aren't doing their job if they're looking really good against a guy who's supposed to be a top guy. And I always try to instill it on the younger guys that you're going to have a lot of matches that you're not going to get this opportunity to showcase yourself. So when you do have that opportunity, you know, take full advantage of it. And that's the biggest issue with younger guys as they're climbing the ladder. And um, Matt and Damien, when you guys look at, um, you know, your own selves, what are you guys thinking of when you look at, your future what is it that you're still needing to grow on and and um you know what are you looking to accomplish uh well for me personally like joe said and again joe i will say i'm sorry again for except this past saturday uh is not being so nice (laughs) (laughs) right it's like I, i i laugh but it's like i gotta get mad at somebody because they're not beating the shit out of a guy more. You know, normally it's like, oh, man, fucking Joe. You know, he won't let me do this. He won't let me do that. But it's the opposite, that I'm getting mad because I told you to do more yeah. and somebody's yeah. doing less. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, and like like Joe said, there's definitely, you know, we he, he had to yap at me a little bit, you know, but we talked after. And uh, I just, it's still, it's, again, you know, with even though it's we have these characters and these personalities down, it's still such a very new transition for me. Sure. So it's just, a, you know, so there's definitely a little bit of those grow like those things I have to kind of grow out of and stuff, you know. But um, I mean, really, that's probably for me, like that's where I, you know, would have to say is just I need to not be so nice and just, you know, take more initiative especially towards more of the younger guys, you know? Sure. So, Matt? <laughs> huh? What, what yeah. Are, yeah, what do you need to, uh, what do you think you need to grow upon? Uh, there's a lot I need to grow on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, listening to somebody who's interviewing them is a one thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you said some, some learning to listen to an interview. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, with, with wrestling, you're always learning, so that's one thing for sure to never stop learning. 
which is why I don't understand why a lot of people don't come to the seminars when we have them. Yeah. But uh, I need to be still be more vocal. That's one thing I didn't have to work on is <laughs> talking more. Um, do you guys have any um, favorite Joe DeFalco moments or stories? When he's just honestly, for me, it when it comes to Joe, my favorite thing about him, and it's an every time, it's an everyday thing, and every time we talk, he's always roasting somebody. Yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> it it literally like it's. I don't think I've ever like I don't think I've ever heard Spider come out of his mouth so many times in this past week. I'll say more than I have in like the whole entire time I've known him. <laughs> <laughs> If I was a stand-up comedian, Damian Drake would be my biggest fan. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Every time he roasts somebody, it's just, I won't even be a part of the room. I'll just walk in right as he's roasting somebody, and I'm like, yes. Like it's what I live. If I'm having a shitty day, when I come to when I come to the school, I'm like, please let there be let Joe be roasting somebody when I get there. <laughs> well, with that, Joe. Um... Since you've just been kind of dubbed the uh, Andrew Dice Clay of wrestling promoters, um, <laughs> if uh, if you had to uh, do a little roast on uh, the Unguided Boys, uh, what would you have to say? Well, it happened Saturday when I was yelling at Damian Drake. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. the fuck are you doing? Yeah. It's like... We don't have know. to relive it. It's fine. And- <laughs> And, you know, I don't want to disrespect Chase Bell, young, up-and-coming talent, but it's like, this is a fucking jobber. You got to kill the jobber. That's his job. You know, that's where I need to learn to not be so nice. (laughs) You know? And Vandergriff, you know, he, you know, Matt's the silent leader of the, uh, the unguided. He tells me that all the time, you know, but... Other than fucking up Gatson, you know what I mean? It's like... I got fucked up, too. What are you talking about? It, uh, it, yeah, you'll defense, be fucked. You're young. Gatson's an old man. It takes... In my defense, being out there, Gatson fucked him up first. Was on, well, Gatson's was on an old man. You know, Gatson's been doing it for like 17 years. He takes a lot longer to heal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Vandegrift's a kid. Well, you know, I always like I always like to roast Vandegrift because uh, one time, now here's here's a guy that I'll say I put under my wing, gave a lot of opportunities, even though he was an outside guy. Uh, no, I, to you, I kind of put I put them together when they had the uh, tryout with Conan because I felt if those two guys worked each other. They would, they would, they would try to outshine each other, and it'd be a good opportunity for them. And it turned out that worked, and they ended up both getting put on Triple uh, A shows. And to reward me of that, Vandergriff canceled my show after he had already <laughs> accepted the booking to go work a fucking Santino's show in front of eighty people instead of the FSW show at Samstown in front of six hundred. <laughs> right, Matt. No comment. <laughs> so I, I continually roast him a lot about that. Uh, I, I knew that was going to be the one. <laughs> I'm just happy mine was recent. That's <laughs> like over a year. <laughs> like two years ago. You know, I won't go into like at the impact trial. Yeah, he's pretty good, but he's he's a little he's a little chubby. 
But that wasn't me. Yeah, that wasn't you. That was someone else. <laughs> yes. But, you know, these two guys, sky's the limit. You know what yep. I mean? It's like, they, Matt, how long have you been doing it? About three years? Uh, I started in 2016. So about four, three or four years. Yeah. 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 And, and between the two of you guys, basically you guys don't even have a decade of experience yet. No. That's amazing. You know, the only tag team in the future I could see is if uh, the Neon Warrior teams up with the Spider Warrior and they combine, I think they could take out the Unguided. Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, man, if you can convince Tommy Deuce to return to Spider Warrior for one night. One night only, a reunion show. Well, if that's the only way he gets to be booked, I bet he'd do it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and Joe, um, any final thoughts on these guys and where the unguided are headed? Well, obviously the tag team titles is something that uh, is on their agenda. You know, we have Shogun and Kenny King as our tag champs. Uh They've had some issues. Uh, plus, you know, there's a lot of history with Kenny and Damian Drake. But there's another team, uh, Cody and Jake, Death Proof. And as we're getting ready and we're getting ready to do TV, you know, I think we should decide who really is deserving of being the number one contender. The Unguided have come in. They, they've kind of swept the board. Uh, you know, Cody and Jake, after losing the uh, the steel cage match with the team formerly known as the Bonus Boys, the Real Money Brothers, they've been, you know, hot as firecracker. So instead of going right to a title match on TV, I think it would make a lot more sense to see who's the most deserving. Is it the unguided or death proof? And I think uh, whether these guys work singles matches, you know, I'm... That might be the, the 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 most excited matchup I see because I think you know Jacob Austin Young and Damian Drake's a great match, and with Matt Vandergriff's a great match, and Cody against either one of them, just as singles matches, you know those should be should be awesome. And then leading into the tag, you know, shockingly. You know, it takes teams a while to generally gel, but because of them working together so much, they've had a lot of tag moves together. A lot of times when we put tag teams together, whether it was the 1%, whether it was the whirlwind gentlemen, when they first started, there was a lot of growing pains because, you know, they knew each other and Jack and Remy were, were buddies, but they had never teamed before. And when they wanted to do it they had two different styles and it took them six eight months of you know working matches to really start getting into the groove having who their characters were it's like these guys came out and immediately you know they got a great character and they got great chemistry together so you know the future is pretty bright that you know, if Matt Vandegrift wants to uh, go after the No Limits title and Damian Drake wants to go after the heavyweight title, 
you know, that isn't something that would be, you know, unforeseen in the future. Yeah. And gentlemen, uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts or uh, anything uh, that sticks out in your mind um, that you want to tell Joe or uh, tell the listeners? Uh, Main thing I would like to say is, to Joe is thank you for everything and thank you for all the opportunities that you have given both Matt and I and for everybody that is listening and I hope one of those people is Kenny King I would really like for you to show up so we can finally have that fucking match that says it all right there alright everyone Um, thank you guys for uh, participating Uh, you know it's it's been fun kind of getting a, a feel of you know, where you guys are headed and uh, where you guys have been. Um, I hope the listeners do check out The Unguided and, um, you know, look up FSW's stuff on uh, YouTube, on Twitch, on uh, Fight TV as well. And very soon, again, right here. October 10th, you can see them live at the FSW Arena. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that's... uh, you know, starting to be exciting because if we get that announcement tomorrow from the governor and, uh, you know, things yeah. start falling in place, well, that's the big if. <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't get sick again. <laughs> but uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to see FSW uh, live coming up and um, with Future Shock coming back and also with the uh, television program going to be starting. Um, you know, come on up here uh, within the next uh, month, month and a half. Uh, it's it's a great time not only to be an FSW fan, but to be a wrestling fan. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, remember to subscribe, download, listen, share, review, and uh, enjoy every uh, podcast we put out on the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. And until next time, goodbye, everybody.